Hello and welcome to this special interview with me, Bo Dade, where I'm joined by ex-Fast Jet pilot and the man behind the YouTube channel Fast Jet Performance, squadron leader, retired, Tim Davies. How are you, Thanks, sir? Thanks, Bo. Yeah, appreciate it. Love you. Love you being here. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, good to have you on again. Anyone that's... Uh, no, we've had you on a couple of times, but uh, it's always an absolute pleasure to pick your brain about stuff. This time, I thought it would be great if we could talk about, instead of sort of the history of aviation and aeroplanes and things, to talk about the actual current state of the RAF mm. a little bit. Uh, because, you know, it might be a bit of a cliche where everything's in crisis, the NHS is in crisis, the country's in crisis, the environmental crisis, da, da, da. But there is a type of crisis going on within the Royal Air Force, I think it's fair to say. And uh, one, of the people, one of the people who knows most about all this stuff is you, because as, as well as uh, all the various things you do, your own YouTube channel, Fast Jet Performance, check it out, like and subscribe. Um, <laughs> as well as the other, as well as the other sort of uh, virtual flight schools, and you do all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things, one of the pies you've got your fingers in is th how the actual RAF is at the moment, and the the the, the DEI, diversity, mm. equity, and inclusion initiatives that they've done. So, if it's okay with you, I'd like to pick your brain and talk all about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More what, uh, so, just to begin with, then, um, just tell us a bit about sort of in the last few years how it's gone. Bit crazy. Yeah, well, I left in 2018. So um, when you leave the Air Force, because you've been in, I was in for 20 years. So you build up um, like a terminal leave allowance. So I kind of left in the January, but I wasn't really out of the service until about the June. And you do some resettlement courses and you go away and you learn how to buy a house. And they, they do teach you how to buy a house. And uh, they talk to you about your pension and things like this or, or investments that you, of course, you can't afford. So you do these things over six months. And um, and during that time, I never saw, during my whole 20 years, I never saw, we had diversity, we had um, <clears throat> EDI days every year where you do a day and you sit there and someone would talk to you about uh, it just, just stuff that we all know, you know, like we're all the same, we've got the same values, same standards. And it, it was a bit of a joke, really. And we don't, just laughed Don't about join it. the KKK. Yeah, kind of try not to do that. And if you do, don't make it public. You know? <laughs> so we used, to, um, we used to laugh about it. We used to go, I think it was half a day. And it was all right. It was half a day out of work, really. We sat there with some nice people eating cake. Um, drinking tea and it was all right and then and I, f I remember actually the guy in our squadron I won't remember I won't mention his name because people know it is was if you had to pick one guy that would be the worst suited guy to lead EDI like you know, everyone was really cool with it but this one guy for some reason that would be that guy it was quite funny but um lovely bloke but yeah he kept us all in line kept us all current on it and I left never seen any I mean I was OC standards I was officer commanding standards and values so well standards primarily so flying training standards and personal standards as well. And, um, and I had 80 pilots. So a lot of them, about 30, 35 were instructors, uh, 12 of which were my own. And then we had the rest of them that were students. So these are quite young people now. And we never saw any racism. We never saw any home. There was just nothing. I mean, it, it was my job to find it. I've said this before, by the way, and someone said, you did a really bad job then. Like, it was literally my job to, to seek out uh, problems that the women might be having in flying training or problems that we had, um, you know, a couple of gay guys on the squad and whatever. It wasn't even... It's really strange, and I don't. It's, it's odd to speak to people who think it is a problem when you know how little of a problem it really was. Like, mm. there was no problem. Mm. In fact, someone phoned me up the other day. <clears throat> I think I might have said this before. They said, do you realise Fred was a black dude? I'm like, Fred who? They said Fred, and I mentioned his surname. I was like, oh, yeah, we flew with him back on Hawk on 208. This is back in 2007. He's now, he's now the boss of Marham, I think it is, RF Marham. He's, the guy's doing well. He's got your Ugandan heritage. And I'm like, yeah, and he goes, no, he was a black guy. And what the, the guys phoning me up was saying, I've just realised. Because we flew with this dude for years. 
it, it, it's not a thing. I'll tell you what is a thing, is how good he is, or how safe he is, or how competent he is, you know what I mean? That's a thing. The fact he's black, he never, and the fact I've even got to talk about it, and I'll tell you a thing as well, that someone told me, that that guy now is starting to worry that the reason he's getting the ranks he's getting is because of his skin colour, where it was never a thing before. Mm. So it wasn't a thing in the Air Force, ever. Um, well, just quickly to say, yeah, I think on. it's fair that uh, where, where Britain or the West or Europe or whatever is... It, endlessly accused of institutional racism sure. and all these sorts of things, uh, critical race theory type arguments. The, the actual reality is we're one of the least uh, racist cultures. Of course, I was right? through your town. I mean, your town is, is that multicultural um, mix. Yeah. Uh, and so it's interesting you say, even into 2018, yeah. Uh, it's actually nothing. I remember Douglas Murray once saying, talking about this, mentioning stuff on this thing yeah. that, uh, you know, the idea of being colour blind or whatever. You know, I think there's yeah. there's issues with that. There's problems with that if the rest of the world doesn't isn't doesn't operate on those parameters. Nonetheless, he I remember Douglas Murray saying making a point that in general, in sort of the the culture, society yeah. in the West in general, in the late nineties, early two thousands, we were sort of almost there. We were almost yeah. there in terms of not actually really discriminating mm. against hardly anyone ever. And think, so yeah. this recent, in the last 10, 5, five 10, 15 years, this recent push to label us all as sort of reprehensible racists doesn't make any sense. But then it's not supposed to make sense. It doesn't make sense, It's not does supposed it? to. I don't think it's supposed to. I mean, if, if we look at, there's, there's a lot to be said for a lot of people will say, would, I mean, I think Tony Blair coming in with the Equality Act in 2010 did a lot of damage. I think it, the intention was good, but I think the damage it did was significant. And the interpretation of the Equality Act as well, you can see that the Royal Air Force will blame the legal department, its own legal department, it blames, it's blamed it twice now, for inaccurate legal advice when it came to discriminate against white men on entry to the, to the service. Mm -hmm. And it did that by lowering standards. We talked about this before, it lowered the standards to bring more minorities in. Um, and it said, well, actually, that we, we misinterpreted, or the legal department misinterpreted the Equality Act 2010 because we thought we were doing um, positive action when it was actually, you know, whatever, whatever the other one was, positive action, and um, I can't remember now. But so it, it was doing the wrong thing because positive action will allow you to do maybe look at two candidates. And, and really, even in the Equality Act, it says, when you, when you read it, the chances of you actually being able to promote or, or employ um, say a minority candidate over say a white ethnic British candidate is actually quite small because they've really got to be the same and then you've got mm. to prove that you've got um, a, dis a, a, a discrepancy in, in numbers and, and disparity doesn't mean discrimination so just because you've got mm. disparity of numbers doesn't mean you're discriminating against anyone mm. but we think it does because we're idiots mm. and, and that we're allowed to, we're encouraged to think that we are intrinsically bad see I've stopped doing this now I'm pretty full on if you follow me on Twitter by the way you'll see this so and I've said before, as we were having a cup of coffee outside, that the Royal Air Force will briefs on me as I'm a subversive. It briefs, I'm trying to subvert the, the, the Royal Air Force, actively subvert the Royal I'm not in the Royal Air Force anymore, I was. Now, as I said, my job, I couldn't get any higher. I was OC standards, so I was responsible for all these people. So for me to come out and now be told I'm a subversive, one of two things happened. One of two things has happened. Either I am <laughs> actively trying to do that, which why would I come mm. out after a 20-year career where my business relies on the fact that I had wings given to me that not many people have. You know, I earned wings, two sets in fact, naval, naval officers' wings, uh, naval uh, fleet air arm wings, and Royal Air Force wings. So either I've come out of the service and I've changed, like bang, straight away, like I'm now trying to actively subvert service. I was in for 20 years, I was happy to stay in as well. You know what I mean? They're trying to bring people back in, we'll talk about that in a minute. Or the service changed. Now, 
which one is likely? It's, it's actually more likely that I've come out and I've, I've gone mad, isn't it? <laughs> but we've seen the world's gone mad. Mm. So why do we think that I'm actually, I'm actually trying to destroy the service, destroy the Ministry of Defence, destroy the British government, when my whole career and reputation and my business is about me having done this for 20 years and actually mm. leading these people and flying in these aeroplanes and keeping young men and women safe? Or has the service itself become subverted? And I believe the service has been subverted primarily through the Ministry of Defence and the Cabinet Office, through people that are in there whose sole job is to make sure that we bring in all these, this diversity gender and everything else. And mm. I'm not happy anymore to say that I'm wrong. What I'm happy to say is that I might be wrong, but I do honestly believe that what's happening within these public institutions is absolutely detrimental to the, the safe conduct of us as British citizens. Mm. We, I don't think mm. we can allow it anymore. And then, of course, mm. it starts coming up like Tim's trying to subvert mm. the world. The injustice of that... So just to be clear, you're saying that uh, they'll actually, the RF will actually brief young pilots, yes. put up slides or, yes. uh, or whatever with, right. with your face, yeah. saying so this guy is a baddie, he's subversive, don't listen to what he says. So it's the Royal Air Force Police, there's a particular um, um, well, a person or two people in there who will brief on this and they seem to have a bit of a beat and I don't know who they are, but you, you tend to find people will get behind something and of course a lot of young people in the Royal Air Force that are joining, because I help them out, you see. So my thing is to, to help put people into the Royal Air Force. People write to me. I do YouTube videos on it. I, I answer questions on people, and um, no matter who they are. And I say, look, we need to do this, 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 and, and try and drive people into the service, not only the Navy and the British Army, but also the Royal Air Force, of course, you know, having been in two of them. Uh, but there is, um, unfortunately, within the Royal Air Force Police, during something that was called Common Core Skills, it's called something else now, but it's a, it's a day or two every year that everyone does the same thing. You do rifle shooting, pistol drills, you do uh, nuclear, biological, chemical warfare drills. So everyone in the Air Force has got the same skills. You do it across service. But during that as well, you get taught about um, things such as uh, making sure you're careful about what you put online, you know, so people can't follow you, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And in this, there is a lecture which talks about myself and a couple of other guys I know one of, I don't know the other people, about how we're actually trying to subvert the Royal Air Force. Now, the, the truth, madness. Yes, That's it is. Madness. And of course, you can't sue these organisations because I, I, I sought legal uh, advice on this because it's the ministry, it's a public, you can't, you can't sue them. So and I wouldn't sue them because I care deeply about the Air Force. I keep deeply about mm. the, the Royal Navy as well. Of course I do because I was in it for a long period of time, as was my brother, as are a lot of friends of mine, as are a lot of young people that I've helped drive into the service. Um, which I'm, I'm proud of. We've got some very good people in there. The, the problem is that a lot of these young people listen to what I say, they follow what I say on social, and they realise the absolute scam that's being played throughout the higher echelons of the military, I think, driven down by the ministry and by the cabinet office, obviously, and they don't want anything to do with it. So mm. if I am subverting the service, and I, in a way I hope I am, I'm doing it by putting good people in at the bottom that in 15 years we'll see getting into the power positions. Re-subverting the thing that's just been subverted. Yeah, you're Crazy. the traditionalist. Crazy. It, the thing for me, why that's so sort of infuriating, sort of the, the injustice of it, is that it's sort of a classic example of gaslighting, mm. or the idea that, uh, that, that you're the subversive. They're the subversive, you're the traditionalist. The idea that, like you say, did you suddenly change the day you left? No, no, of course not. Obviously I, I not. I left on good so, terms. I, so I was, it's, <laughs> like, it's like in 1984. Um, yes, You is. were always subversive. Yes, that's right. Yes. Like we were always at war with Eurasia. It's very clever. You, yeah, well. Very, I mean, it is clever when you think about it because we're busy people. 
Like everyone's mm. busy. I mean, look at you, look how busy I've just been through. Everyone out there is busy working to promote Lotus Eats. And the work you guys do is, is full on. I mean, people don't realize this, but it's a full on out. People are working really hard. And, and you haven't got time to go and read all the books you've got on your shelves. You haven't got time to go and listen to 1984 on an audio book when you're working out like that. We don't have this time. So we rely on credible information sources. And mm. what are those sources? They come from the government, don't they? Mm. they? They come from industries. They come from things that we trust. So I wanted to try and drill down into this. So, um, so sort of the takeaway thing, the main story, the main headline is that from like 2019 or through 2020, 21, 22, 23, yeah. the RAF specifically has uh, had a, sort of a strong DEI drive mm. Um, and that, that, you know, actively saying that diversity and inclusion is really, really important to them. And, but the fallout from it has been that they've been found to have actively discriminated against white men. Yes. Um, that they've spent a few million pounds on these drives, which ended up actively discriminating against uh, at least potentially good candidates. Yes. And so all that has sort of come out in the wash. I've seen some other headlines, some other stories where the the RAF have basically said, oh, we're sorry, but we didn't actually really do anything wrong and we're going to keep doing That's it, right. basically. That's right, yeah. Um, so my question to you is, if you can shed any light on this stuff, is sort of drill down into it. So you mentioned the Cabinet Office and, of course, the Ministry of Defence themselves. Mm. And then you've got sort of the top brass within, the, the, you know, like the air marshals sure. and the chief uh, vice chief air marshals and things. Um, how does it work? How, as far as you're aware, where does it really come from? And who are the people, if you want to, you don't have to name yeah, names, yeah. I'd love you to, but you don't yeah, have yeah. to, don't feel any pressure to, but who are these people? Are there sort of outside organisations like, um, well, I don't know, any sort of third party organisations which, you know, advise the RAF or advise the Ministry of Defence to, to do this nonsense? Yeah, so there was a, a bit of a common purpose. There was a a sort of think tank that you can sort of buy into. They talk about how we can bring diversity in. I believe all three services have gone through them, if that is the correct Who name. are they called again, sorry? I think it's Common Purpose. I'd have common to go, Purpose? I think it is. I'd have to okay. look it up. All right. Uh, I, I remember uh, speaking to someone and they say, this is this is what this company does. Um, it's a very much a, an Ernst & Young, you know, Goldman's, you, McKinsey, you bring them in. Yeah. Well, we know McKinsey, of course, with diversity. I mean, it's a Harvard, you know, kind of thing where they, they talk about how you're not diverse and then they sell you a product to become more diverse, that kind of thing. So, of course, nobody... Well, there's lots of organisations out there, yeah. you know, like Stonewall. Of course, Hope, well, Stonewall is one I was going to mention. So, right. Stonewall, under Andy Turner, who was 2IC of the Air Force, you might remember Andy Turner was the guy who left after he was found running around his na garden naked. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is not a great look if you're second in charge of the What Air was Force. his name? That's not Wigston. Andy Turner. Turner. So, Mike Wigston was, was his senior. Mike Wigston was the chief first officer. He's a chief. Now, Mike was my boss, and I like Mike a lot. So whenever I say this, people have a go at me. They say, Mike, you shouldn't like Mike, but I did like Mike. And I flew with Mike a lot. Uh, as a, I either led him on the wing, or he led me, because he was the boss, and he was a lovely bloke. And my wife, uh, you know, used to, his, his wife never accompanied him on tours. His wife was a, a quite a senior lawyer, and I believe a lawyer in the sort of green, the sort of, you know, all that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's probably why he got a little bit tainted by this. But the thing about Mike Wigston was quite interesting, is that he never had um, what we'd say was a, a, a career in the spotlight as he went through the military. And I remember being in a bar in Lossiemouth, where I was a Tornado GR4 pilot on his squadron, which was 12, and he brought me into the, into the Air Force as well, when he was someone called the poster, or the, he like kind of recruited you for the Navy to the Air Force when we lost the Sea Harrier. So, and he was a lovely bloke. You could talk to him, he was approachable. He was a lovely guy. And I remember my wife saying to him, how come you're on this 
meteoric rise. Some people are. I had friends who were as well. They kind of picked quite, we can, this guy's going to be, you know, he's a switched on guy, you can, and Mike's a switched on guy. But from then, he went off and did these posts where we never really saw him. He wasn't um, in the line, he wasn't in the spotlight at all. In fact, he, I think he was the boss of Cyprus for a long time, so really away. And then he appears as Chief Verstaff. And I think what he did when Gavin Williamson was the Defence Secretary, remember going back to this, he did a deal with Gavin Williamson, I believe, that if he did a report into inappropriate behaviours in the services, then he would get the chief Is job. this not too long ago? Is this yeah. sort of the late teens? Yes. So the report into inappropriate behaviours was done, it's called the Wigston Report, and it did talk about bullying, um, discrimination, all sorts of things. It's a bit of a dry read, but fair enough, it needs to. And he did this report. And I think that was in exchange for the chief post because there were other people that everyone expected to be in the chief's role. And I believe he was groomed from a very young age, um, he was a, I think he was an Oxford man, to be in that position when all this DNI stuff yeah. came in. I think a lot of guys were. I think yeah, a lot I can of people, believe it. I, good. I'm, yeah, I, I think this believe. is why Dom Cummings wasn't allowed to, to rip up the civil service. I think this is why he was chucked out as well. I think the civil service got his teeth into him because the civil service is massively full of, I think, yeah, aggressive, right. whatever yeah. you want to... Traitors. Yeah, uh, well, you know, uh, if I'm being called a subversive to the Air Force, I've got a business, and then they go, call, you know, you've got to be careful what language I use. Yeah, sorry, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm no. happy to say that. You can do that. When, yes. people, when the civil service, when people are senior people in the cabinet office or the foreign office or the home office or whatever, yeah. they're actively working against the interests of the nation, yes. I'm happy to call them traitors. Well, I, think, I think you're not wrong. Now, I had my, um, my brother-in-law come up yesterday, and he said that he was on a a board a while ago where there was him and there was three other guys and they had to, it was for a job role. This was going back a few years, um, maybe five years. And they had to talk about certain subjects. And one of the subjects was ESG, which right. I'm not a huge fan of. And my, it was about investment, ESG investments, environment and social governance investments. Now an investment should give you a return. A lot of these ESG investments don't give you a return, <laughs> which is, they're not really investments, are they? Right, yeah. yeah. Their way, of getting a, the their way of getting a BlackRock loan, aren't they? Or a Fidelity loan or whatever, you know. And, and he said exactly that. Like, and he said there were another three guys on this board who were all championing ESG. Like, that's all they talked about. That was the biggest thing. And they believed in it. They believed in all this stuff to the detriment of the financial investments they were supposed to go out there and select. And so I think a lot of this stuff comes down, driven hierarchically by people like BlackRock, and people call me conspiracy theorists, a lot of people do. But I, I believe that the Air Force gets sucked into this, the public sector gets sucked into this, because we believe, it's very easy to believe things. If I said to you that we're polluting rivers, you haven't got to have proof, because it's quite nice to believe we are. If we were doing what, sorry? Polluting rivers, oh, or, polluting rivers or, okay. or burning holes in the sky, or whatever the latest, oh, yeah. melting the ice caps, polar bears dying. Polar bears are cute. <laughs> polar bears are not cute, by the way. <laughs> if you give me the polar bear, the brown bear, the black bear, polar bear's the last one I want to fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a ninja, but not a polar. So, you know, polar bears are dicks, right? <laughs> yeah. But they're cuddly little dicks, aren't they? So, it, it, we, it's come down from a massive high. And if you think where it starts, what you'd have to do is say, right, let's analyse the word diversity. As Thomas Sowell says, it's the word that means absolutely nothing but has been used to such great effect. And then we can go into, okay, what's diversity mean to you? What's it mean to me? Fine. Um, God, it's awful, isn't it, this whole thing? The fact we're talking about it. Have you, have you ever thought yeah. about the amount of time yeah. we waste yeah. on this? The amount of content you guys generate here on his, history and, and knowledge, and yet we sit here talking about something that in hopefully 10 years no one's going no to give a fuck about. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the work we do now. I feel like that is a big part of, in the broadest sense, that's the big, big part of DEI and all this sort of thing, mm. is just to distract you. Yeah. It's just to keep the wheel spinning. 
to get people arguing about it, well, like we're doing now. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is, here what I do is why I say, hey, I'll argue about it, but at the same time, I'm going to damage you as much as possible. So, and I'm going to damage you with goodness, good people. <laughs> so I'm going to put the best people that come to me, I'm going to train them up, young people that want to go into the military. And I'm talking about not just flying, I'm talking about people that want to go in and be um, a, a supplier or an armourer or whatever. And I speak to people every day, like people write to me all the time. I'm going to really make sure that those good people get into the Air Force, where they've got good values, they've got good standards, the wholesome British people. Mm. And people always go, you're just putting British white people in. I don't think I've spoken to a British white person applying to the Air Force in about a month. Everyone has been either, um, well, sorry, a, a British white man. They've either been a, a woman or they've been a minority that have inquired about, am I going to be treated fairly in the military team? And what they mean by that is, am I going to be promoted because of my skin colour? Mm. Or is it because of the merit that I bring? Is it mm. because of the values I bring? Mm. It's very hard to say at the moment that you're going to be treated fairly mm. in the military. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? This idea of uh, diversity and inclusion versus meritocracy. Yeah. It's quite as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, Heather McDonald. Uh, in, a, in a sense. Um, yeah, so she says basically, Heather McDonald, if I remember correctly uh, what she was saying, she was saying, um, if you expect diversity in any institution, then you, then you cannot expect meritocracy. It cannot be a meritocracy. Right. Because it can't be. Yeah. If you expect diversity. So, and it's the same, it's the same thing. It's like, mm -hmm. surely, because we can make it, right, you've got to have a heart operation on Monday, and this is like life and death stuff, right? Mm. Do you want the best surgeon? <laughs> I mean, seriously, because no, I'll be like, yeah, please, I'd of like the course. best surgeon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Do, do you want half of them? You've known half of them have been brought in because, you know, they've got the right skin colour. Mm. It's the, the thing I look at it is the, the problem with it is, especially at the top of the Air Force, is people want to be seen as doing the right thing. They want to be seen. And, of course, we all do. Apart from me, I couldn't care less. I want people to be safe and effective, combat effective. Um, and the people I trained were, most definitely, and I was. And it didn't matter whether they were a young gay man or whether they were a, a woman or whether they were a minority. I trained lots of, I even hate the term minorities. I just trained pilots. Mm -hmm. Some true, of them are yeah. different skin colour to me, you know? Some yeah. of them were for different countries, but they were pilots and some were good and some were really bad. <laughs> some were really, really bad, actually. And some of them happened to be black, that were bad. But some of them happened to be white as well. So it doesn't mm. matter. The cockpit mm. doesn't understand. Mm. When you get into it, you don't go, where's the sub-menu for ethnicity? <laughs> Where can I put in that I was a black kid from inner city Birmingham? Because then the jet yeah. will treat me better. It won't, mate. Yeah. If you're not good enough, yeah. it's going to kill you and it will kill a guy in the back mm. seat and it will land on an orphanage or a nunnery and then it's going to be the front page and that's your legacy. That's why it's sort of surprised me. It shouldn't be surprising anymore, this sort of stuff. But, you know, if it's McDonald's yeah. and you have a slight dip in the quality of assembling a burger... Yeah. It doesn't really matter all that much. But when it's life and death, like a heart surgeon or a fast jet pilot, it absolutely does matter. It yeah. absolutely does matter. You, people you know, don't understand uh, it. People don't, people don't argue with me, do not understand what it takes to be a fast jet pilot. And I'm not, I couldn't care less, right? I didn't come from a great beginning and I have, I have mental issues now just having gone through the trauma of strapping a fast jet to my body for the last 20 years, plus alcoholism, plus whatever, you know what I mean? All these things add up, sure. and it makes for a very interesting life. So I'm not worried, you know what I mean? And sometimes I've got to sit by myself with my weights and rock myself backwards and forwards a little bit, and, and we sort it out. But it's better now than it was. But people don't understand, like a lot of women will complain that I don't want women in fast jet cockpits. It's, it's not true, I've, I've trained lots of women. And what I would say to those yeah, young women... Yeah, you've talked about training women yeah, loads. Yeah, of course. And what I'd say to those young women, I wish I could get the young women on social media that have a go at me, and I wish I could bring them and put them in a room with fast jet pilots who are women. And you'd see how different those women were, those fast jet pilot women, to those young women. that kept, they, they wouldn't be able to really have a conversation. They'd struggle. Because they, they, it's... 
Because the work that goes in to flying a fast jet and the sacrifices you make for an exceptionally prolonged period of time is something like a lot of people won't fully appreciate or understand. There's no going home at five o'clock. There's no, I don't want to fly that trip the next day. There's no, the weather is probably going to kill me today. Like that is the worst weather anyone's ever flown in. You're flying. There's no two ways about it. And you better work out how you're going to fly because else you're not going to come home. Literally, you're going to be killed. So these women, they live with this. And the men live with this. And that's why there isn't any you're a woman, I'm a man, you're a black woman. I'm a... It doesn't exist. It's like, we're all going to die together. And when, you're, when you've got that, I think this is why we're too comfortable in the West. Far too comfortable. Absolutely too comfortable. I was writing the other day about people that haven't been punched in the face don't know when to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been punched in the face. Like, I, I've been, I've, last fight I had, with my, it was with my brother. I fought with my brother against a massive dude in a pub in Henley-on-Thames. Were you, at the, were you at the regatta? Well, it wasn't actually. It was, a, it, was a, it was a Wednesday night. He was going to Canada to fly to fly airplanes out there for the Canadians, and we met up somewhere so we could get our drink on. You know what I mean? Because we come from a drinking family, and uh, we said, "Where's the one place we can, you know, get on that we're not going to get into a fight or anything? Like, just, just chill." And he was like, "Wednesday, Henley on Thames. Nothing happens there." Yeah. Apparently, it does. <laughs> Apparently, Henley is quite a violent place, and we, yeah, we got in a massive fight. Um, because we're chatting shit, setting the bar alight, like legends, you know what I mean? Sambuca's <laughs> in the eyeball and everything, and it, some bloke in the bar took offence at it. Some old boy, he was there on a date, fair play. You know, I think my brother gave him some chat, but uh, yeah, we've got a massive ruck, and that's going back a decade now, but a lot of people haven't been in a fight, so mm. a lot of people will mm. say things to people, especially on social media, mm. without consequence. Mm. And I just think it's a shame, because the only thing it's going to save this country is the individual. The individual forming into a community, the community then forming into a, a larger um, surrounding population that then going to drive that change throughout the rest of it because if we allow our leaders to do it we're falling apart. I think you're absolutely right people that have never been in a, a, a fight people that have never lost anyone <clears throat> um, there's yeah. some there's some really dark bad things about the world and about living in the world yeah, that right. if you've never experienced yeah. you don't really know what you're doing or talking yeah. about in all sorts of ways now for you being a fast jet pilot one of those elements has been taken to the extreme, i.e. putting your life on the line. I've like very rarely, if I can even think ever, really done it. And most people go through their whole life not doing that, living right on the raggedy edge of that you could die in the next few seconds if you don't do something very specific. Most people go through their lives never doing that. And as a fast ship pilot, you know, you've spent hours and hours and hours and hours doing that sort of stuff. So for you particularly, or any fast ship pilot, that's been dialed up massively. And I can only imagine you know, I can only imagine that it, 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 you come out at the other end of that with a, a different perspective to the vast majority of people. Well, um, yeah, I mean, all I'd say is that with, if, if you're going to, these things happen in, the, in military structures, they happen in the NHS as well. Don't fuck about with it, with diversity. Right. Just honour the fact that these things are exceptionally difficult and complex to do. And it's not just fast jet pipes, right? It'd be no, all sorts of jobs, like deep sea divers is extremely dangerous. I would say right? truck uh, drivers for crying. I mean, anything, right, you know, yeah, you've got okay. to stay awake right. with, a, with a 20-ton truck behind you. I mean, come on. Mm, that mm. will kill your family in a second. <clears throat> you know, let's not fuck around with this shit. I mean, it's mm, serious. Mm. And the problem is the government does it because it wants to look good or it wants to attract a minority into the UK or wants to think that it's going to be uh, a net benefit to the country by bringing in a whole swathe of minorities. So that's something I wanted to see if well, I could just sort of try and drill down. Because... At least in my opinion, of course diversity isn't a strength. Of course it isn't. No. Uh, homogeneity no. Is, is a strength. Um, of course that's a complete lie and nonsense. So yes. I can understand how perhaps some elected officials who are bought and paid for 
by WEF or whoever. Yeah. Okay, I can understand that they've got to the politician class. Sure. Okay, loads of people in both Labour and the yeah, Dems and Tories. Really they're they're compromised. Yeah. Okay, all right. Then, okay, unfortunately, but I can see how it can also happen with the institutions like the the Home Office or the Ministry of Defence that sure. over a long period since the Blair years, a very deliberate attempt to subvert that, to make those individual peoples. Yes. But, yes. but then it's sort of, it's truly sort of sickening and surprising that that, that, that corruption, that that sickness, that cancer mm. spread into the RAF itself. Yeah, absolutely. That you've got someone like yeah. Wigston, because um, there was the, uh, the diversity and inclusion directive that was specifically his. His yes. name is on top of that. Yes. Um, so I just wonder if you've got any real insights into, you know, how a, a, an organisation like the RAF, which, you know, at its very core should be mm. this, the standards and a complete rejection of anything which isn't sort of a pure meritocracy. Yeah. How that happened. You know, how mm. relatively quickly, as you say, still in 2018, yeah, there was right. only the slightest, lightest Absolutely, touch of it. Yeah, yeah. And now it's been subverted almost inside out. You know, what insights have you got into how or why that happened? Because you, you're sorry, one last thing to say before I let you speak. No, it's fine. Um, you know, this idea that someone like, I don't want to keep picking him no, no, out, but all sorts of people, yeah. Um, they want to virtue signal. They want to be seen to be virtuous and doing the right thing and being on message. That seems so perverse in something like the RAF. I mean, I use that word specifically, perverse. Why, why do they want to be on message? Yeah, well, how is it in their <coughs> interest, me. other than just getting a promotion, but how is, it, how is it permissible? How is it possible? How has it happened so quickly, effectively overnight. Well, you might want to place in the House of Lords, for example. I mean, Mike was a sir anyway, because it came with the, the job. So when Mike right. became Chief Air Staff, it came with a, with a sir. Do so you automatically became... get a knighthood, do you? He did, yeah. So, and, uh, oh, okay. yeah. So I think if you do things that the government want you to do, you're going to get these things. And I think with Mike, that was the thing. He was driving through. He never did any procurement. He never bought any equipment or anything that was necessary for the Air Force during his tenureship. The thing he, he pushed on was diversity. Remember, he was the guy that said, I want 40% women in the Royal Air Force and I want 20% minorities in the Royal Air Force by 2030. So he must have been handpicked. There's no doubt he was... Uh, I, I think, I think it's very, even if you speak to some very, now some very senior Air Force guys have written to me and some very not seen, I mean, a lot of people write to me, okay, across all services. And I get often get, like, Tim, you wouldn't recognise the service now. The service you're talking about is different, it's changed. And of course it's changed, not like this, mm. it does, not at the rate it's changed. And a lot of senior Air Force guys will write to me and say, you know, yeah, there was, he was not supposed to be in that role. We knew who was going to be in the role, everyone knows who's, who's going for the role, because you tend to know who the main, and he comes from the outside to be in that role. And this is why I think, because he wrote that paper, he was chosen. But also, he was... He was malleable. You could you could drive that into him. For him to come up with those things himself, I want forty percent women and twenty percent minorities by twenty thirty. Himself, he came up with that. Now there were other people in there. Maria Byford um, was was head of HR. She's been alleged. I'll say alleged. Um, alleged. Well, I know. Okay, let's just leave it at alleged then. Okay. I know people that were actually at the dinner when this happened, where she said the the top table is male, pale, and stale. Uh, right, yeah. It's that kind of rubbish. As a white woman herself, sat there. How? How has she been penalised? Oh, but you're role? the subversive, not her. It's that kind of thing. And then Joe Lincoln was a friend of mine at university. I lived with Joe. Um, she was in HR as well. She phoned me. I spoke to Joe. Joe lectured me for an hour. 
And I still like Jay. She's married to um, uh, Paul Lincoln, who used to run Border Force, which is an interesting one, uh, before someone else took over from him. So he, he was securing the borders of the UK. How well did that go? And Joe was bringing in a lot of minorities into the service under the illusion of diversity. I think it's all connected somewhere. I, I think we can see where the connections are, let's say, but let's, mm. let's allege it as well. So these, it's, been a, it's been a drive. Remember, Elizabeth Nicole was the woman who stood down in the end and lost her career over it when she said, I can't bring these, you know, her job was to flood all the recruitment in with minorities. I've got no minorities. You've right. used them all up. Mm. The guy before mm. her who got an ABE from it, used them all up. So and she said, this is immoral. We can't be doing this. We cannot be um, discriminating against anyone on entry. So they just, just shut her down. Yeah, quiet, basically, you're fired, you're well, done. You, okay, so what, I, what, what you have to realise is no one is bigger, and I know this. David Hill uh, is an author. Look his books up on on uh, on Amazon. He's, he's written books. A Citadel of Waste he's just written about the, the waste in the Ministry of Defence. He's written a lot of books about Munich and Tyre, the Chinook incident, a lot of things like this. He, he He's always tried... The Ministry of Defence try and silence him. He was an engineer with British Aerospace. Very talented guy. An old boy now, but he writes very well. And they always try and silence him because... The reputation of the organisation must come first. Now, I understand that. Having been in the, in the Air Force, you're not bigger than the Air Force. You never will be. I get people... I, someone said to me the other day, he said, um, my boss was complaining that he doesn't think you should be the voice of the Air Force. He said that about me. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But the Air Force <laughs> voice <laughs> is like this. Because the Air Force knows when it speaks, it, it doesn't... The Air Force should say, these are our values, these are our standards, and, and that is what we want. And if you, if you do that, like I do that with my school, and I don't want to talk about my school, but I say, look... These are the values and standards. If you identify with these, come and join my school. Come and join my school, because we're going to have a great time. We'll teach you to fly airplanes in the virtual sky, virtual reality, it'll be brilliant. If you don't, I don't want to hear from you. People write to me saying, Tim, I was going to join your school, but I saw some of your YouTube videos and you're a racist, homophobic, transphobic, bigot, blah, 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 mm. whatever the latest name is. That, fine, don't do yeah, Good luck, bye-bye. And I'm glad yeah. he selected you out, Yeah. because I don't want you in there. Mm, mm. And my guys in, in the school are so... They challenge themselves, literally, all the time to be better, to understand better, to understand the nuance in arguments as well. And sometimes someone will say something and, and you get challenged for it, you know what I mean? It's like, well, where's the evidence for that, dude? And I think the problem is, ideological capture has happened within all the public institutions. I think if Dominic Cummings had smashed through the civil service and really reformed it, then we may have stood a chance. But obviously he was ousted, he got out. And I think, unfortunately, um, it allowed a lot of bad actors to... Because it's very easy when you're up there. You don't want to be seen as a racist. So if I was in the Air Force now calling this out in a DNI lecture and I said, OK, you're telling me you want diversity in the Royal Air Force. What does diversity mean to you? They would have to say they want black people and they want women. They'd have to say it at some point. Because diversity, I want diversity, cognitive diversity, but not always. Because on a fast jet squad, you don't always want people to think differently. You know what I mean? You want people to think the same. Uh -huh. I want people to think about killing as much people, as many people, in as an expeditious time as possible. I want, I want them to kill as many people as quickly as possible. That's how I win wars. <laughs> that's how I get to go home at night. And that's what it's about. And people, it becomes very difficult sometimes to, to express that to someone who hasn't been in the environment where you're literally going to be killed. Like, when, when pilots come back in from a sortie, you're not, as I said to you before, you're not high-fiving each other. Hey, look at that. doesn't happen. It's heads down. It's like... How, do, how are we going to do that better next time? Like, how are we going to use our fuel better? How are we going to weapon ear better? How are we going to manage the timeline better? How are we going to brief this and debrief this better? You see it with special forces, same thing. No special forces come back going, yeah, we can... They're not. They're like, how the fuck didn't we die? Like, literally, how lucky were we that we're still here now? Because a lot of other people aren't. So, 
let's not ridicule that. We're thinking that diversity is going to help us be better. Let's, let's hit the weeds and work out how we can be better. Now, cognitive diversity can work well in certain situations, maybe banks or something where you want to attract a different clientele. It may work better in high-performing, meritocratic, hierarchical organs. It may, cognitive diversity may well be something we can use. And I'm not against that. But don't tell me that it needs to be a black man because black men think differently. There's a word for that. So yeah, I want a black man right. because he thinks differently to a white man. This is the problem, I think, and it's all coming from these senior people. It's virtuous. They mm. feel they must allow black people in. They must allow minorities in. They must allow women in. Because that's got to be a good thing, surely, isn't it? That's why Mike Wigston said 40% women, 20% minorities by 2030. Because that must be a good thing. And then I went and challenged it. And I got called all these names. Why is it a good thing, Mike? He was a jet pilot. I'm a jet pilot. Why is it a good thing that a black man or a woman needs to make up the majority of our service? I'm using black interchangeably with minority. Or, or sure. uh, yeah. Why? Explain that. What, because they think differently? They have to come to that converse. Because you cannot say because his skin colour is going to be a benefit. It's ridiculous. Let me guess that it was never explained to you. No, of course it wasn't. Well, no, well, yeah, nothing. Because there is no explanation. Because it's, no, it's no. a nonsense argument. Of course, it, there's no... It's <clears> not even you need to have been a jet pilot. You don't. You just need to have been a person who's alive and say... All right, so you've got, you've got to make a team of four people up to go and solve something. Goldman Sachs have four people teams, don't they? They promote the first two and they sack them. So, okay, let's do that. So what's useful? In, you're going to be a management consultant from McKinsey. What is useful? We're going to solve management consultant issues. Well, probably a little... We don't want people to think the same way. We want people to be challenging our four-man team. So let's bring in some different things. Yeah, let's do that. You're not going to go, well, get that black guy because he thinks differently. Get that woman because she thinks differently. It's, it's sexist and it's, I mean, it, it's the most ridiculous. Get me people that think differently. They might be black. <laughs> Who was the woman at, um, uh, at Apple? She got sacked in the end. But she said, look, a room of 10 white men can be diverse. And she was sacked for that. Um, right, she was thought, a black woman, thought. yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, so just to go back to one thing you said earlier, I think it's really interesting, is that the idea that no one's bigger than the Air Force. Absolutely. And that the the Air Force, or uh, and just the Ministry of Defence, that the most important thing is is sort of the reputation, absolutely, and um, and yeah. all that sort. And but but then the contradiction there is that DEI has very much damaged their reputation. Yes, yes. So there's a contradiction there, isn't there? You know, we want to do this thing. We want the best. Apparently, yeah. We want the best for the RAF. We want the best for all the services, and it's really, really important, if not the most important thing, of how we're perceived. And yet we're going to do this thing which makes us look like uh, complete idiots. Well, okay, so we're looking at, we need to start challenging our own thinking. So why do you want the best in the military? I had a senior guy say to me, what if we didn't need the best? Could did we then have some diverse people in the Air Force? And I'm saying, well, you're saying that people that are diverse. I said, what do you mean by diverse? He goes, well, you know, some people use the term brown people, don't they? And that's when you know where they're coming from. He goes, well, have you got some brown, some brown people, Tim? We've got some brown people in there. He was an older boy, you know. Um, well, we've got some brown people in there and stuff. And then we didn't have to be, have the, the best people. Well, now you're saying that minorities aren't the best people. Right. I mean, the whole right. thing is, right, yeah. so what are you Immediately, doing? Immediately, the argument just exactly. falls, falls to crap. It's like, why don't you go for the best people? Some are going to be minorities, <laughs> some aren't. Right. And here's the thing about minority as well. Minorities, before 1950, uh, your audience knows this, but I'm worried because we, we basically perpetuate the same narrative sometimes, don't we? So we, we're preaching to the converted. Mm. And I hope in the comments here, if people have watched this long, that they will challenge me on this or they will say, well, I understand that, Tim, because the nuance can be quite an interesting one. And I learn a lot from that. And I'm constantly saying to myself when I post something, I'm probably wrong here. How am I wrong? You know, where, where's the nuance in this I'm missing? Or who, where's the education I haven't, haven't given myself? But... 
critical thinking, well, yeah, dangerous, used to be yeah. a bit subversive. Critical reasoning. So <laughs> prior to 1950, of course, there were fewer than 20,000 black people in, well, I say black, minorities in the, in the non-white, indigenous, non-indigenous white British in the UK. Less than 20,000. That's what they reckoned in 1950. Before so the Second World War. It was a tiny, tiny, tiny They were, tiny they were men working in dockyards. They weren't in communities. They were sporadic. Mm. Okay, fine. So since then, over 70 years, we've had the biggest rise ever. I think last year was the, was the greatest number of, of immigrants who came into the UK. Now, the, the problem is, you it's don't have... It's almost like a replacement theory. Yeah, so the replacement theory. No, that's... What, what are you talking about? That can't, but the, the truth is, of course, that these people haven't got historical ties to the United Kingdom. They haven't got great-grand... Oh, see, my, my father's in the military. My father's father, father's father's father. It goes back... I don't think there is a man that we can trace back that hasn't had some kind of military service. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying it is a thing. So... I was always probably going to go into the military. I lived in Portsmouth. It was a dockyard port. I was surrounded by it. I was in Because you were in the Navy cub. before you were in the RAF. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so for about five years in flying training, we lost the Sea Harrier. I was about to go on the Sea Harrier. And then Mike Wigston himself, as a young squadron leader at the time, phoned me up and said, I bet you regret that now, <laughs> phoned me up and said, Tim, would you consider coming across to the Air Force to fly a tornado? Yes, Mike, I'd love that. Thank you. Because else I've got to go and retrain on helicopters for three years. And there was about nine of us, eight or nine of us, we all went across, flew all different types of aeroplane, and I said, I like tornado at Lossy Mouth, because I was in Portsmouth, right? So I'd never get to work in Scotland ever before. And I went low-level tornadoes in Scotland, um, low-level strike attack, flying through the valleys of Scotland. It's not done anymore. I had a great, fantastic four-year career under Mike Wigston. He was the boss on my squadron, one of the three bosses mm -hmm. I served under on that squadron. Andy instead, Mike Wigston, and um, yeah, so another guy. So I, I served under him, and he's a nice guy, and, and, and I, I like this stuff. But the truth about it is, People, when they come into the service, the reason that minorities aren't joining the military is they haven't got, and my yeah. sister will say, well, minorities do, yeah, I know, just I'm talking a generalisation here. They don't have that, that, that root. They don't yeah. have the, yeah. my great-grand-grandfather was. My great, you know what I mean? So when we try and recruit them in, they've got no, they've got no, I mean, I was reading about the Air Force and the Navy and the Army when I was six or seven. I, I actually remember my, my father saying to me, do you want this plastic toolkit? We're in France. So I know exact date I was. I know how old I was. Then you can help me fix my motorcycle. And I said, no, I want the paper airport. This airport has paper planes. And I, and, and I know what date it was, because I know when the holiday was. I was there with just my dad, me and my dad, and I was about six or seven. So I got this paper. So I was interested in flying and aviation from six or seven. And all I did read about for the next decade was that. So when I present for interviews, I've got something to talk about. I can tell the Navy. I can tell the Navy, I failed the first time I went to the Navy, and the second time I went, um, I had the biggest disparity of scores between the lowest score and the highest score in the average interview board, and they offered me pilot straight away. Um, and the reason I was doing my, when I first went, it was after university, I was doing my, um, my degrees, and I'm not an academically gifted guy, I fail everything in degrees, I don't, I'm not very clever, so I, I I'm not very really academic, and, and I didn't want to fail the Navy, so I had to kind of prioritise one or the other, I, I, I passed my degree, but I didn't get into the Navy first time. When I went back after six months, I got this, I've just read everything about the Navy. So I really studied it. And I could answer everything about anything in the Navy, aviation, mm. anything at the time. Mm. Because I was, we don't get that with minorities. When you approach them mm. and say, would you like to be in the Air Force? Well, it's the first time I thought about it. Mm. First time I thought about it. Oh uh, yeah, I'll give it a go. I've seen quite a few Vox Pops recently in the last few months. And it's just obviously true. That they'll ask um, ethnic minorities on the street, would you join the army? Would you join the services in any sense? Yeah. And nearly all the responses are, <laughs> of course not. Yeah, I'm not going to fight for this country. Of course I wouldn't country. even dream. Yeah. Like, what a stupid question. Of course not. And I'd go a little bit further. And of course, this is a generalisation. It's not every single one. But most first-generation immigrants uh, are not... They don't 
they're not invested in sort of the security or the history of Britain. But why would you be when yeah, you but, can go back? But right, yeah. why would you be? If I'd emigrated to Spain of course. or anywhere or Thailand or yeah, something, yeah. I wouldn't it wouldn't be in my mind that I'm gonna join the Spanish yeah. or the or the Thai military. Of course. Because it's not my ancestral home. No. It's not my forever home and so on and so on. There's a, a, a multitude of reasons, obvious reasons as well. Um, so sort of, of course. No wonder they have, if you want, if the targets were giant, you want 40% ethnic minorities or 20% ethnic yeah, minorities, 20% minorities you, you're never going to meet that because, it, well, almost certainly well, how damaging is it if you do meet it? How yeah, damaging? even if you do. So right, I talk about women a lot. I talk about women because, and I get desirable. a whole world of, well, I get some lovely, lovely emails from women, but the majority of stuff is from young women um, about me talking about women in the military. I mean, how dare I? I mean, I come from, there's, in my family, there's... Oh, you're not allowed to talk no, about it at all because you're women, a bloke. No. Okay. I actually say to them, look, hang on a second, there's only one of us that's taught women to fly fast jets, but no, crack yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> crack on with what you think, because mm. I'm talking about facts, and there's another thing about how facts and feelings differ between men and women, but let's not go there, because <laughs> my wife will kill me. But um, I'm Misogynist. A, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amongst others, we'll just list them. But um, I'm from a family that's fully extensively women, there's three men in it. There's my, there's my brother, there's me, and then there's my, my nephew called Noah, and he's a lovely dude. There's three men. The rest is he's, my, my nephew's got three sisters. He's got um, two. He's got an aunt. He's got a, a grandma and everything. So heavily. And then there's me. And then there's my brother. So I'm, I'm well aware of women. And the extended family is heavily women as well. So I'm well aware of women in families. I'm well aware of women's needs. Now my argument being, the strange thing about women and the real women, not the fake women, they have to have children or they can have children, can't they? That's the problem. Now when you put someone into a fast jet. Any aviation, any kind of career when you put someone in. I remember Alan Sugar was talking about employing women of childbearing age and the problem it does to a, a company, a small company, employing a woman of childbearing age and then they have maternity, you're still paying for that person, they're not there. Now I know we, my sister will say, you've got to repopulate the country. I know that, I'm not saying that, I'm not arguing that. But it would damage my business to the point where I probably can't survive if you're a small business. So you're more likely to employ a woman who's not of childbearing age because you can't, my, I'm not going to tell you, I will tell you, my wife said, you've got to put them under contract so they can't have children when they're flying fast jets. I'm like, yeah, we just go more over towards Maoist China. I was, was, I mean, was going to say, that yeah, seems yeah. way, way yeah, worse. Yeah. Well, the truth is you can't do it. So right, if you yeah, want 40% yeah. women in the military, 4-0, what was the first thing Ukraine did when the war kicked off? Got rid of all the women. They kept the men at home, women left. Now some women stayed, fine, we understand that. But men had to stay because mm. men have to do the fighting, mm. the majority, overwhelmingly. Yeah. So when you've got people on a fast jet squadron, let's use a squadron because I know about the squadron, 15 people, let's say, maximum, on a squadron. Uh, I worked it out to be, you need 1.3 times the squadron size if you want to have 50% of those pilots as women. Because a man will have six, a man and a woman will have six weeks leave a year. You can plot that, you know where it is. You can balance the pilot flow, you know how many pilots are going to be on the squadron. You can actually go for illness, like I've had a cold for like last week, so I probably wouldn't have flown for a few days. So you can sort of go, how much, I've got that, I've got the plot. We know we can still perform, we've got it. Pregnancy. That person's gone, unpredictably so. Mm. Well, I can't predict it, mm. you can't tell them not to, she's gone. Like literally, I can't fly her. She might be there doing some typing, aggressively probably, because she's a female fast jet pilot. <laughs> I'm going to write some reports. The truth is, she'd be on the squadron, but I can't fly her. Mm. And there's no other cupboard I can just bring a fully qualified Typhoon pilot out mm. and put them on a squadron. F-35 pilot, have I got any spare? No, no, you haven't got any spare. Because they take, they take seven years to train. They take, you don't treat them properly, they leave. And then another woman And millions of pounds, I imagine, as well. Of course. I mean, it's not cheap. And that's the truth. So we can do it. And as I said to Grant Shapps in an angry Twitter thing, look, we can do it. We need more money. And you won't give us that money 
And if you want to employ women, that's all it is. By all means, employ 40% women in the military. But you need more money. Mm. Because there has to be a redundancy aspect of women having children. And the other thing as well, what you want to do is read, this, read the paper on how many women stay in the service after they've had children. You can't read it because it hasn't been published. Because people don't want to talk about it. But the truth is, when a woman has children, the last thing she wants to do is go and fly fast jets again. Right. Men yeah. don't want to do it. Yeah. The, men I, the men had children didn't want to get yeah. back in a fast jet. Because it's probably going to kill you. Mm. And you're mm. thinking about other things and you're not sleeping properly. And you've got mm. all the bugs the kids brought back. And it's a, it must be a great experience. I haven't got kids and I, I would love to have had some. But the truth is, the men, they're just a little bit different once they've had a kid. They love flying everything mm. that gets them away from that. But the truth is, the mindset's slightly different. Women, it's, it's hard for them to continue in a cockpit once they've had a child. Bodies mm. change as well. No one wants to talk about the fact that a woman's body changes after they have a kid. Bodies change after you had a kid. It's the truth. It's pretty brutal for women. So women move into more administrative roles. So I've trained a woman now for seven years. I might have maybe two or three years of flying out of her, and then maybe she'll have a child. Maybe she comes back for another year, but then she's an admin. Yet the man's going to stay for 15. So when it comes mm. down to economies of scale for the value of taxpayer money, do you want a squadron full of women? Let's take it red team it. Let's go red. Let's go right, left to right of arc. I've got a squadron full of women. I've got a squadron full of men. Which one is the most combat effective? Let's not fuck around with this shit because mm. it kills right. people. Yeah. Okay. It kills people. The country won't survive if we push these narratives where everyone is equal in a, in a fast jet cockpit or in a tank or anything like that. Why aren't we seeing women going into deep sea diving? Why aren't we seeing as refuge collectors? Why is it that women always want to be the CEOs of companies or, or, mm. or in politics? Mm. What about the equality in the jobs that no one wants to do? They don't want to be a hod carrier, do <clears> they? All I'm saying is we've just got right. to be a bit realistic yeah. about it because yeah. we're a good country for doing that. We are a great country for doing that, you know. We, we don't shy away from these difficult conversations we're having right now in front of the camera. You know, <clears throat> I'm going to be cancelled again. I get cancelled all the time. And it's fine, I'm happy to be cancelled. Mm. But I do think we need to start talking about the truth. Mm. And the truth mm. is that <clears throat> if we have a military that is 40% women and 20% minority, just because we think it's a good idea, not based up on facts, not based up on statistics, it's never been done before, we know it works at the moment, is that shit going to work? Or are we going to be intensely vulnerable to mm. massive societal pressures? And I just think what Mike Wigson did was, was incredibly careless. I think it was, I think if anything, it was intentionally destructive. Mm. And that's probably why I'm called a subversive. It seems to me, it, it, from what I gather, it seems to be a very deliberate thing. that He was handpicked to do that, yeah, yeah. to do what he did. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it despicable, absolutely despicable dereliction of duty or something. Wouldn't even know what to call it. Well, you, you, you leave, you take your pension. You, you know, that's the thing. I mean, he sold his soul there. If it was, if you the, know, that's the, that's if, the bad thing If it thing was, about it. You'll, you'll get this senior role if you do this. Well, then, well, then you've, you've, you've sold your soul to the devil. And I'm a you? fan of the man. I liked working with him. And I like him. I could chat to him right now and have a decent conversation. He's a good man. I could tell you stories, some drinking stories out in bases far flung that I'm not going to. He's a senior guy, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to speak out. I'm never going to tell he's stories just about him. Sorry before go. He's not chief anymore. Is he, no, he's finished, retired now. Yeah. Just not very long ago, right? No, so Richard Knighton now, who's a lovely right. bloke actually, Richard, very clever man. He uh, was an engineer. He's the first non-pilot of the Royal Air Force. So he's an engineer and he's taken over. And of course, not speaking about diversity at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I interviewed for his uh, personal staff officer role. Um, and it was very much a London centric based role. And I, I rejected that interview. And he phoned me up later and said, thank you for being open and honest about it. I think it went to a a helicopter pilot um, and he was he was you know I didn't want to be based in London I thought we'd be more exploratory but he's a very clever guy he's far too clever for me uh, he's my age actually but you know he's a very he's, he's going to be very good for the Air Force although I've seen a lot of his talks and he is he's not committing you know he is a, the Air Force is a strong forward thinking yeah fine we, I know fine 
copy paste, you're going to be safe. Right. You'll yeah. get what you want. But I just love someone to stand up there. And I thought, my wife, she said to me, she said, you were wrong about the Air Force. I said, I, I was. I thought when this hit the Air Force, it would bounce off. I thought the same thing about the United States Air Force. The United, I work with the United States Army. I know the United States Army really well. Um, uh, the United States Marine Corps, mm. fuck's sake. The United States Marine Corps did, madness, a, did a paper and they looked at the combat um, effectiveness of mixed units, of mixed units, women and men, because they have women and men in the US Marine Corps. And it's, it's damning. The combat effectiveness of a mixed unit is, is damning in, yeah. in combat. I can imagine. It's, yeah. Are you, it's not, the thing is, this is what I don't understand. I think this is where, uh, this, is, this is what happens to, to good people in good countries where we are reasonably liberal, we, we take in these views. If someone said to you, if you're going to go to, all right, okay, let's, we're going to walk outside in a minute, go down, let's say we get some lunch somewhere, we're going to find like the worst place in the whole of this town in which you live, shall we say. And we said, all right, so we know it's going to kick off, right? We're going to rumble, yeah? So we start slapping our faces a bit, start getting a bit kind of gen up, you know what I mean? <laughs> Give ourselves a few digs. It's going to kick off. All right, cool. Are we going to take four guys from the office or are we going to take two guys and two women? I mean, you're going to be there. What do you want? Yeah. I'm taking four yeah. guys every time. Yeah, yeah. Without, Fighting's no different. Battle, Warfare's yeah. no different. Just because you're behind a keyboard or because you're in a cockpit, it's no different. Some of the women that I flew with were the most aggressive pilots I ever flew with ever. Don't get me wrong. But they're still going to probably want a family at some point. I'm talking about the investment, not necessarily the mentality. I'm not saying that a black man doesn't think any different to me. I'm saying that the black men that I went into the Navy with, a lovely bloke actually called Temba, he thought the same as I did. He was educated at Cambridge. He had a cut glass accent blacker than anyone. You couldn't see him in the dark. He was literally, the man's gone. Like, wait, Temba, you know what I mean? See some teeth glow. I mean, yeah, that's how Temba, us, yeah, that's, that's it. That's how Temba was like that. <laughs> lovely bloke, a really nice guy. Lovely dude. Just solid dude. Um, he thought the same as I did. He flew helicopters in the Navy. There was no difference. But people telling me that's because he's black, there is. Mm. I know. You I tell know, me where the racists are. You yeah, tell me yeah. where the person right. trying to subvert the air force is. Yeah, is it yeah. me saying, no, that black guy, he's no different to me. Or is it the guy saying, well, he must be because he's black. What kind of fucked up bullshit are we talking about? How do we get to the position where our public institutions are talking about this? Mm. The Air Force, the British Army, the Royal Navy, flags on their boat. They've got that, the coloured trans flag on their ship. I know, a, a warship, a battleship, yeah. I'd... And then we wonder why Putin is laughing at the West and stuff. It's like, mm. dude, what is, where is, this is the problem. When you, so this is why I think we are being intentionally subverted within our public institutions. And I cannot see a politician, a single politician anywhere at the moment that is willing to stand up and talk about this. Um, I saw, was it Mike Freer? Was it, he stood down, wasn't it? Because of the, was it the, the death know. threats he got? Oh, him. Was it Mike um, Freer? The name's Freer, wasn't he, it? I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, anyway. yeah, it's yeah. very recently, last week. Yeah, I remember thinking, earlier this week. I remember thinking, fair enough. We've got David Ames, haven't we? And, 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 and Joe Cox. And I understand that. But I just thought, I wouldn't do that. I fucking wouldn't stand down. I'd be like, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm going to be. You bring your best swords, I'll fucking bring mine. <laughs> and I'll be there and I'll wait for them to walk through that door. Mm. Because unless you make a stand against mm. this, this whole thing that's going mm. on, this, mm. we just mm. have to, we have to recognise the fact that if you want to be, see the problem I've got right now, and I'm not going to rant anymore, is I have no issue with British people. Like I just want more people to be British and understand what British is. I work under a union flag. Like when I'm working out in my garage and I haven't worked out for the last month pretty much, but I've got a union flag and I've got an English flag. Now, even my wife says, that's a bit football. I'm like, what, your flag is a bit football? Your country's flag mm. is a bit football? That's my wife saying that. Now, mm. I've recalibrated, she's, re you know, we understand. Mm. How, is, how on earth are we, are we not willing to fly? I think there is something mm. fundamentally at fault when your country isn't proud to fly its own flag. Yeah. What yeah, is yeah. that about? Yeah. 
the de-rationalisation, yeah, the, the demonisation of the very concept of patriotism or, or nationalism or anything like that, to have any pride in anything sure. that is your own is yeah. wrong-headed. Yeah. yeah, very, very deliberately has been subverted for decades and decades and decades. That thing. One thing I, I just want to yeah. very quickly say, almost an aside, is where you, every, almost every time you mention the Royal Navy, you've sort of pointed to, I just want everyone to know that there's a, a, a sword there. There's an yeah, officer's... It is, actually. This and is, um, uh, that's why you're... It's a, sorry, there is a sword there. I'll just put that back in. It's actually, I think, a Queen Elizabeth II sword. My sword was a King George VI, actually, but um, they're beautiful. Wilkinson's sword, do you want? I sent mine off to Wilkinson's sword to recondition it. A fast expense. <laughs> um, I think like five and a quid each or something, and it's a ceremonial sword, and you carry it. And I even carried my naval sword in the Air Force. I never... The right. thing about the Navy... They didn't mind that. They didn't get much of a choice. Okay, I wore right. naval Fair shoes enough. as well. The Air Force shoes have a, have a ridge across them. Naval shoes are, are flush. I wore naval shoes in the Air Force and I carried a naval sword. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people on parade would notice that. They're very similar, Air Force and naval swords. Very similar, very similar in fact. But, um, and you probably can tell the difference, I probably can't. It might be an Air Force sword. No, I think it's a naval sword. Um, it is, it is, it is a naval, naval sword. Yeah, yeah. no, it is now. Yeah. Um, but the, the Air Force at the weddings would hire their swords. So the Air Force would go to Cranwell, get ceremonial swords and they'd hire them. And I've worn an Air Force sword at a wedding for, you know. Naval officers tend to buy their swords or they're handed down through generations. Right. I got my sword in the local paper. Well, my mother lives near Waterlooville in Portsmouth. I put an advert in a paper, I'm looking for a naval officer's sword. My sword comes from an officer who, who died on the hood, HMS Hood. Oh, wow. That was his sword that was at home. And I went to the house to pay for the sword of a local house near Waterlooville and they gave me the sword for free because they knew I was about to graduate from Dartmouth in the Navy. Okay. And I well. said, no, so I left a little envelope of cash by the phone, you know what I mean? Back in those days when you had phones, left a little envelope full of cash. But, um, but they wanted me to have his sword. So my sword, and think of the pride there, where you're wearing mm. that man's sword with the webbing mm. that that man had, who, who died on the hood. And I, I just don't see it. I think the problem with the Air Force is there's this foundational fragility in, in, in what they are. And I think that's why the Air Force have come to it more than the other service did. I think a lot of people in, in say, the Navy just said, it's not going to happen. The people that write to me, the backbone of the services are the senior, senior and non-commissioned officers. That's the backbone. You lose them, you lose your service. Mm. And these people are writing me today and these people are leaving the service. And without them, you don't have any. These are the guys that have been in for 20 years, guys and girls that have been in for 20 years that are running all, you know, all the, um, uh, you, you call, well, basically anyone that's not an officer, they're running. Mm. They're running these people and they're maintaining the morale. And then you get the officer corps. And these people are writing to me saying, we, we're doing everything we can to, to stop this. I don't think... In the regiments in the British Army, of course, and in the Navy, that happens because you've got hundreds and hundreds of years, and in the Air Force, you've got 100 and, uh, 105. Right. And right. I think that's one of the issues why the Air Force fell first. One of the things I, wanted, I really wanted to talk about is something you mentioned just a minute ago there. You mentioned um, Joe Cox and David Amos, that's right. and the recent MP that stood down was, yeah, yeah. through threats. Yes. He was sort of scared for his life. And you were saying, uh, no, no, the opposite is what's required. Absolutely. Is the, um, a bit of bravery and uh, a, a little bit of standing up in the face of... Again, you've been a fast jet pilot. Um, you, you, you've, you've done it, you've lived that, putting your life on the line repeatedly. Most people are just... That's so scary to them. They wouldn't, they wouldn't dream of it. They run a mile. They run the opposite direction a mile. To and I sort, of, I sort of don't blame them. But, you know, I personally am going to stand in the next general election. Oh, really? Election. Yeah, and for, people like you should. For reform. And, of course, there's the spectre of David Amos. Of course I is. might get David Amos. Yeah, but you're, you're an but Englishman. I've, but, I've, you know, I'm, I've, I've factored that in. And if it happens 
it happens, you know, I'm prepared. Of course you are, because there's a flag there. That, that right. red of that flag, that flag, look, that's blood there, that red. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, the thing is, we're standing for something that we truly believe in. And people don't do that nowadays. They don't believe in these things. It's a joke. Flags are a joke to people. You think people that hold that flag up when they go, that's the last thing they see when they die on the battlefield. That flag. That means something to them and their family. That doesn't mean anything. It's a, it's a punchline to jokes to a lot mm, of people. Mm. When people tell me to take my flags down in my gym, you know, when, and I, I would recommend this. I think, I think the one thing men can do when they're suffering is pick up something heavy and fucking walk with it, like just a little bit. And it doesn't have to be much. Mm. Just, just get some iron, some, some kettlebells. It doesn't matter. Get rocks in your garden. It doesn't matter, but you feel like you've done something constructive. I mean, you do. we've all got winter weight in that, because it's fine, I get it, you know what I mean? Try and eat healthily, and we understand that. It doesn't matter what level you're on, it just matters that you're on a level, like you're on a path. It mm. doesn't matter. Mm. Pick, that, mm. pick that difficult path, not that easy path that everyone's going down. You know, pick the difficult path, the one that's got rocks on it, and, and every time you climb over a rock, you're, you're learning something, you know what I mean? Like, like what yeah, you guys do here, yeah. you, you challenge history and you You've learn You've said it before, men need a challenge. Men need something like, to get up in the morning for, yeah. Right, something meaningful, some, some sort of meaningful challenge. Well, that's great you're going to stand for that. I think that's brilliant. Oh, cheers, thank you very much. No, I really great. do. I wish more people uh, would. I, th I really do, yeah. And I think history, I think it's fair to say, history is quite often moved, influenced by a relatively small number of people. I, I think you're right. Throughout Absolutely most right. of history, the vast majority of people aren't actually engaged in the important things, no. of their, even including World War Two sure. and World War One and things, as a percentage of the population, very few people actually That's right. fought and did things. Mm. Um, and so it only takes a relatively small number, but... Um, well, the Battle of Britain wasn't very long, was it? September 41. Oh, think about how many people were in that and think what that, that did, the Battle of Britain. I mean, it's incredible when you think about it, the sacrifices a lot of people make. And that's why I always turn back and I say, look, we I just wish people would lean into these institutions that really are core British. I mean, I mean, our military is so small now. I think the army's like 76,000. It can't field a division. That's the British army, can't field a division. How do we get like mm. that? And the reason we got like that is people didn't stand up when they should have stood up. Like Admiral Zambellis for the Navy when he brought the carriers in, he was told you can have carriers or you can have people, you can't have both. And he went for the two carriers because that was going to be his legacy. Now the Navy hasn't got people to put on these, on these ships. Right, yeah. Hasn't got ships. Can't field the ships. Stuff like that is, is in, in, incredibly, I mean, I think we've got to stop thinking about self. That's one of the big things I'm into. So when we talk about these politicians, and I understand they don't want to get stabbed by whoever's coming in. And there are mad people in the country because we've allowed a lot of migrants to come in, of course, without thinking about it. And they are really migrants, even though we're told it's the far right. I've got far right on my bio now on Twitter because I'm called far right. I'm like, yeah, fucking proud, mate. Because if I'm far right, mm -hmm. like I am, standing up under a flag, Every morning, I see my flag every morning. I'm not waving it at Palestinian march. Now, people do that. Mm. Yeah, fair enough, mate. That's a little bit provocative. What, mm. You're going to get yourself arrested. I'm not. I'm just saying it's my flag. That's all I'm saying. I'm, it's not on my car. It's not, I'm, I'm not wearing clothing with my flag on it. Just because I served under it for 20 years. I'm not embarrassed of that. You know mm. what I mean? I think yeah, more people yeah. should. And yeah. I think it's a really good thing for young people to start looking at the military service or police service, what they've done for the police force is just horrific and it won't affect uh, them. A crime of unbelievable proportions. Isn't it amazing what's happened? I wouldn't even call most of the migrants, not all of them, but I wouldn't even call most of the migrants, I'd call them invaders. Well, that's an interesting one because um, I think, I think when, when you come across a channel like that, yeah, I think... The, the channel boat people, certainly. Yeah, there's no... 100%. Yeah, I don't think uh, you can ever... What on earth are you doing? Throwing your idea away? You know what you're doing. What, what is that? If you Sorry, really, yeah, well, you, if you really were going to claim asylum, um, you present your passport. I was going to say something about the police where you mentioned if you're going to be in a fight or, or, uh, or a foxhole, would you rather have four blokes next to you or four blokes and two women or four women? 
I'd go so even in the police. There's video yeah, yeah. after video after video after video of WPCs absolutely comically failing I know. I know. in in the physicality yeah. of arresting someone that yeah. doesn't want to be arrested. Um, absolutely nonsense. I don't care. I call me a misogynist all you like. Fine, fine. I'm a misogynist then by your standard. Fine. Well, it's no, more dangerous. Women can be in the police behind a desk. Don't put them on the street where there's a young, fit, desperate bloke who doesn't want to be arrested and it's her job to subdue and arrest him. Well, Don't do that. Of course, my sister's a police mental. officer. mental. So my father was as well, so my sister's a police officer. Now, of course, you do need women, especially in mental health cases. The problem is we're using the police sure. now for more mental health than we ever did before. I think... I think uh, There's any number of roles women can do in the police. Yeah, absolutely. Just my not on the street having fights with people. If you... I mean, arguably, if you're going to talk down someone's suicidal and it's a woman and you can identify and all that, I understand all that. Sure, but that's what mental health sure. used to do. My sister's a, a woman, sure. and my dad, when he was still alive, said to my sister, my sister had a habit, why? Because she's quite small. Or whenever she came up against someone aggressive, she'd bring her asp out, and asp is an extendable baton, bang. Big, she'd do this every time. What's that? It's an aggressive posture. And, she, and my dad said, mm. if you keep doing that, eventually someone's going to punch you in the face. Mm. Whip it off two, you and two, beat, yeah, you, with it beat you with it. So two, about two months later, she got punched in the face, yeah. But the truth is, she did it because she felt vulnerable. Now, in America, you can see how many women go for the, the sidearm yeah, first. Right. It's, a it's an actual noticeable it is a real issue. Thing. Yeah, yeah. real thing, because they feel vulnerable. Yeah. So there, there are roles for women and there are roles for men, but let's not mm. fucking conflict. Let's not mess mm. them up. We know mm. what they are. Mm. If, and I said, I said, I'll tell you what's going to level this up. It's bloody conscription. Let's see how many women want to go when they're conscripted. Fucking none, mm. because I don't want to go. Mm. I'm a guy. Mm. You know, mm. I don't want to go. I don't want to be conscripted. So women are going to be like, oh, hang on a second. You know what I mean? It's yeah. war. It's like, what's, just let me get pregnant real quick so yeah, I don't have just, to. <laughs> well, this is the big thing. So the US Navy, do, they do figures on this. The US Navy, they, they've looked at rates of women that get pregnant before they go to sea. I'm sure the Royal Navy must have stats. We'll never see them. I'm not, I'm not into seeing them. I've served with women at sea before. Um, but also women get taken off ships because they are pregnant. It's a big thing. There's a huge Twitter thread recently with guys going, oh, when I was on this ship, this happened when I was on. It's just nature. I'm not saying we shouldn't mm. have women on ships or submarines or anything like that. But I'm just saying the conversation hasn't been had. Like mature conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. with adults, not Mike Wigson virtue signalling about what he would like in the Navy, sorry, in the Air Force, because he thinks it's a good idea. Yeah. Since when did his fucking feelings take over yeah. like facts I, I know, and stats? But how do we allow it to happen? I don't know. Where did the adults go? This is the problem with Mike Freer, I think, when he, when he said he's not going to be a politician anymore. I think that just opens that door for people going, oh, it works then, a bit of intimidation bloody works. Yeah, it? yeah. It's like, hang on, I thought we were Englishmen, I thought we were yeah. British, I thought we held yeah. our ground. Yeah, yeah. I thought he said, mate, I'm going to do this and we're going to have a conversation about it. You don't want that conversation, then we're going to do this. And that's the conversation. That's what we've done throughout history, haven't we? Unless yeah. I've misread the history somewhere. No. I don't remember ever like us backing down and saying, oh, let's allow ourselves to be... The only way we, we're, we're going to fail is, is by allowing this, this tidal wave, as you said, of immigration to, to come into the country. And it's just unregulated. It's just that conversation not being had either. If it is truly, and this is where your knowledge here, because you guys are expert at this, if it is truly because we can't afford pensions in the future, therefore we've got to bring in skilled labour from overseas, which that's not the case because we know a lot of these people aren't net positive when it comes to... Um, we, yeah. We, yeah. And it is the case, and let's have a conversation about it. Mm. Let's talk about it, because we're adults. Well, that is sort of one of the crux of the issues, is that they don't want that conversation. No. You have to be a tiny little independent thing like this, because yeah. they won't... The, one of the real enemies is that conversation. Sure, sure. That's sure. why someone like um, Van der Leyen at the EU or yes. the WF, they yeah. say, oh, the biggest problem going forward is essentially free speech. Or they, they call it disinformation or misinformation. Yeah. But what they really mean is freedom of that's expression, right. freedom of speech. That's their enemy now. Because yeah. the conversation itself 
well, undem the undermines them so obviously, yeah. so clearly, that all their arguments are revealed as, as It's like they nonsense. didn't want Putin to, to speak to Tucker Carlson, did they? <laughs> And my argument right. is, well, let him speak. You can then you can then break it apart, as Ben Wallace has tried to do this morning. Yeah, if he's so even and so wrong, you well, can prove that, right? Yeah, exactly. Can't you? Yeah, but we don't no, want to hear him no. speak. We don't want to, no. we don't listen to the Eastern view because the Western no. view is so good. No. It, but it is interesting. I think it's like mystification almost, where these things are told to us to confuse us, to keep us talking about something that isn't important whilst they go and... I mean, you see. I mean, how much have we actually seen on the news about the farmers in Europe and stuff? And relatively like, little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hardly anything at all. Yeah, it's so massive, it's so important, it's so essential. I mean, I don't get it. And I suppose what we're really saying is we, we expect the press to be impartial. And it's, mm -hmm. of course not. And if you yeah, do want to yeah, speak out... See, the thing is, if, if what I was saying wasn't true about the Air Force and about the, the Navy and the Army and everything else, and the police service, if it wasn't true, then why pay any attention? Yeah. People write to me all the time with nonsense. I'm like... Just... But, so it must be true. If you're going to call me subversive, you can tell everyone in the Air Force not to listen to this guy, which what happens, it makes them listen to me. It makes them look up one of my videos. Then they write to write to me. Tim, actually, what you said there was quite interesting. I haven't thought of it like that. I know, mate. It's one of those things, it's at this point for me, where if the, if the uh, sort of the traitor, sort of globalist, sort of wokest, crypto-socialist types, yeah. if they label you as a subversive, as a racist, as a bigot or anything, I'm, I'm wearing it as a badge of honour yeah. at this point. Well, you're going to have to. That's why I put far right um, in my bio. Yeah, right, yeah. But Just, okay, I'm a racist far right person then now. Yeah. Okay, can we have the conversation? Oh, you still don't want to have the conversation. Yeah. Okay. Let's just have the conversation. Let's just, let's you can just call me whatever you want. I'm committed to reality and the truth and my own sort or of least, integrity. Or finding and the truth. you can label me whatever you want, but I'm not abandoning that. I refuse to. You said something about, we're British, aren't we? We're English, aren't we? When did we ever be. back down? Yeah, right. Where did the spirit of 1940 or Cressy or Agincourt, it's like, not only am I likely to lose, uh, but I'm up against uh, a crazy long odds. I can do it. Well, I'm going to throw two fingers up. Let's do it. I'm going to stare it in the eye and throw Let's two fingers up then, because I mean, how long the only alternative is to run away sure. and die. And, yeah. and, and, and just crawl up into a ball in defeat. Well, that's not happening. Sorry, that's not happening. So the only thing left to do is stand up and you fight see, and use your voice. I just don't understand. I mean, maybe because I have come from somewhere else. Like, I kind of think to myself, look, I'm hitting 50 this year. That's a pretty good innings, really, when you think about it. I mean, fucking alcoholism. You know, it didn't kill me. It killed, killed a few of my friends. Jets didn't kill me. Killed, a few, killed a lot of my friends, in fact, Jets did. I've actually done all right. Maybe if I give the next, maybe six fucking months, someone's going to stab me. You know what I mean? But maybe if I just get, can give some time just to forward it, you know, just pushing forward a little bit. And it's so small. Men, individuals really can't make much of a difference. I mean, I think that's, I can't remember who I was reading about that. But like, you get the odd individual. Well, hang on, Sixth Church will make a difference. Yeah, fucking yeah. But in the big scheme of things, mate, right. you know what yeah. I mean? There it's are like, great men of history, but by yeah, definition, there's a tiny number of them, right? <laughs> We're not yeah. great men, yeah. yeah. And women, yeah. you know, are fucking great people. But <laughs> the, I can't, yeah, God put that in. But the truth is, if, if you can make a small change in your community, and this is why I'm so interested in values and standards, personal values and standards, because in my school, the more strict I am with my students, not only the better they get, the calmer they get, uh, the more students I get, the more strict. When we're more jovial, we, we are like tonight at five o'clock, there's a party on um, every Friday, guys get together, you know, guys have a few beers, flying airplanes, listen to music, whatever. When guys do that, they have a great time because they're letting their hair down. But during the week, it's pretty strict. It's pretty full on because I want people to grow. And I want, and they, they write back and they, they're like, you know what, this school's changing me in more ways than I thought it would. 
like the, I couldn't really care about the flying. I teach them flying. Of course, it's my mechanism. I'm, a, I'm an instructor, right? So I did it for a long time. But through that, I'm trying to instill values and standards. And the only way I can do that is by applying those to myself. It's fucking hard. It's hard to do that. It's not easy to stop drinking. It's fucking nails, in fact. It's horrible. I would wish no one goes through it. I, I, I still, every day, I think about it all the time. However, people go, you're stiff-arming it. No, no, I'm, I'm good because I've got iron. I've got weights in the garage. I've got other things. You know, I'm, I'm rowing in a boat full of men. Um, I used to run a rowing club, and now I'm in a boat. And, and You know what I mean? And So I've got things I'm doing that are uncomfortable, but I'm doing them anyway. Why are we not doing uncomfortable things? When did that mm. stop? Mm. Like, mm. how can we expect? The only way we mm. can change other people is by changing ourselves. Mm. Like, people see you doing better. They see you going, you know what, I'm going to stand for some kind of governance or whatever, stand for something I believe in. And that, like, motivates people like me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yes, I'm going to support him. I'm going to, I'm going to campaign on YouTube. That's a bad thing for you, by the way. You don't want me campaigning. <laughs> your vote would just go right. But, yeah. But like we should be doing that because people will see you standing for something that is uncomfortable for you. It's difficult for you, and then they may make like a small difference in their life, and that propagates out. Mm, it's true. It propagates out. It's true. That is how the world works. It's easy to forget that as well. I think it shouldn't be easy. Um, see how are we because, forgetting? It? Well, because I only just mean in the sense that you know a lot of us are sort of fairly terminally online these days. It's fairly isolated. I think. I think uh, you're absolutely right. I'm not saying you're not right. You are 100% right. I think it was more obvious in yesteryear than it is nowadays. I think, especially for perhaps younger people, it might right. be a bit unfair to single them out, but they're sort of fairly terminally on their phone. Um, it, well, it's a worry. It's a real problem. But of course you're right that that's what really matters is making a small difference in your own community or even your own sort of friend and family circle. Um, yeah, and just having some sort of personal sort of integrity, uh, a line in the sand which you will not bend for. I Absolutely. mean, it doesn't, it, sound, it doesn't sound like all that much when you say it, but in reality, it's actually quite difficult. Are you going to abandon friends and family and career paths and all sorts of stuff for this one principle? Well, who are uh, you? I mean, uh, who, right. it's not even being remembered. It's like, you've got to wake up with yourself every day. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. your fucking right. self. Right, yeah. I wake up, that bed, I, I make that, my wife is, my wife, her bed is like in a state in the morning. It's like, you know what I mean? I make that bed like every morning, like super tidy. I think that's like a Jordan Peterson. I couldn't care less, but I make the bed tidy. And I go to my little gym. I don't want to go to my gym, especially when it's cold, like minus four the other day. I'm in there going, this like hands thing. Like, I don't want to be here. I don't Leg want to be day. here. I'll put oh, one of your podcasts on. There we go. I'll watch that whilst I'm, you know what I mean? And I'll roll around the floor, do some stretching because I'm getting old now. I need to stretch and stuff, you know what I mean? But I'll do these things that I don't want to do because I know they need to be done. And we're building resilience. And then people will see that and it'll rub off on them. And don't be embarrassed about it. A lot of people are embarrassed about this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So they don't do it. They don't go to a gym because they're a bit overweight. I get that, you know, we're all the same. But don't be embarrassed about it. Don't be embarrassed about progress, individual progress. Don't be embarrassed about it. It's like... And like failing you. as well, right? Oh, God. Because I'm going to lose at the next general election. Uh, the polls show, anyway. I hope I don't, of course. Well, but the polls show, almost certainly. It's like, yeah, I know. That I'm doing it anyway. Sure. I'm doing it anyway yeah, because... It's not, a, it's not always about winning or failing, well, it's about, well, what it's is about losing? trying. It's, it's a about, definition. It's about... Is it losing? Is it losing on a personal perspective? It's not, uh, well, well, in that sense, no. Of course it's right, not. Yeah, no. Right, I right. mean, and you're more yeah. likely to do it again. People will know who you are. Oh, look, you're putting yourself... Do you know how difficult... You know how few people... I was reading a statistic on this, actually, because I was wondering who comments negatively on, on my YouTube videos or, or whatever else I put out. Who, like on yours, who does it? It's something ridiculous, like 9% of people will comment on anything like nine percent it's like so small that people actually will leave a comment on anything mm -hmm. and then it's something mm -hmm. like one percent will leave a negative comment something like that so out of the whole people that are actually watching a video it's such a small amount of people that will leave anything at at all it's, it's a small amount of people that will actually make a video like most people mm -hmm. never sure, actually yeah. put themselves 
on Facebook, anything, never put themselves in the industry. They don't do it. It's a worry for them. So when we put something out there, you're doing more by being on a camera like this than majority of people are ever going to want to do themselves. Mm. So there's, you know, don't, don't embarrass, it's not embarrassing. <coughs> yeah, me. no, absolutely. I also think that I've got this issue, I've written articles about it and mentioned it from time to time. The idea of sort of defeatism, pessimism or doomerism or accelerationism, actually mm. want things to get a lot worse and th that whole, all those mindsets uh, are for me as per pernicious and as cancerous as any wokest stuff. Yeah. It's just, it, it, for example, um, you look at say World War Two or World War One, I think maybe even the American Civil War, even in World War Two, it was extremely rare for people to sort of be openly saying things like, it's all lost, it's all doomed, why are we even bothering to That's fight? Right. Yeah. Mr Hitler probably should win by rights anyway. Um, you, you were very heavily ostracised for being defeatist. Yeah. It was, there was a very, very small <coughs> thing, defeatism, during World War II, for That's example. Right. Yeah. If anyone sort of expressed a small amount of it, you were sort of shut down. Um, but now, it's, it's everywhere. You know, like on Twitter, yeah. lots and lots of people are not only doomers or accelerationists, but they'll proactively argue the case. Like, why are you bothering to try to save Britain? It's already lost. That, yeah. th that sort of thing. Yeah. I honestly think it's, uh, it's truly, truly disgusting and wrong-headed. And, uh, and just uh, as much of a part of the problem as the actual... Well, as, as wokeism break, break itself, it if you like, or whatever you want to call it. When was conscription coming in the First World War? Was it, 20, was it 1916? Was it something? I can't remember now. Yeah, 15 or 16. Yeah, and, 15 and there, or were, 16, there were fewer certainly than four, by 16. Certainly, 45,000 people that objected to being conscripted. Fewer than 45,000 out of the six million single men it was at the time. Right. That were, I think it was six million that were conscripted. And this is what people don't understand about conscripted. People saying, I, I won't be conscripted, I'll just go to jail. Oh, they were famously turning people That's away right, in they droves, were, weren't they? they were. Yeah. So, when, when conscription comes in, it's not like you get a chance to not be conscripted when we're talking about it now, which I think is horrible that we're talking about now. It's the fact that you are conscripted. Like you are, everyone between the ages, I think it was 16, or might have been 17, to 41, if you were a single male in 2016, you were conscripted. You are now in the army. That's 1916, sorry. Uh, 1916, sorry. 19. <laughs> you, yeah, quite. You are now conscripted. That's it. You are now conscripted to the army. Mm -hmm. So you are now in. Now, if you don't turn up, you're in breach. Now you're going to get locked up. Now you get punished. So... People don't understand that. So fewer than 45,000. Now, people would say that about my stance um, with Russia, for example, and Putin and NATO. And, and what I'm trying to get at is listen to what the East is saying. And people say, yeah, but Tim, you're giving up on the UK. I'm not. I, I thought I'm literally here. I'll, I'll join the Air Force again tomorrow. I'll go and fly. They better work out some mathematics on the, on the money situation. But I'll go and fly again tomorrow. Um, but the, the truth is, we've got to listen to that East. We've got to listen to what Putin's saying. We can't just expect not to have this pushback from the East if we want to be doing what we're, what we're doing. I think we celebrate. I think young people celebrate because they're young and they don't know anything. And I, I don't mean that in a negative sense when I talk to your audience because your audience are all ages. But when I was young, I didn't know anything. I needed to be educated by, by people that were older than me that have just gone through some horrible things. And I needed to read some things that were controversial and difficult to read. And that's what we do now. So everything... I do, as I said before, is when I'm writing something or putting a video out, it's like, how am I wrong here? Like, mm. like, what am I saying that's wrong? Like, what I'm saying is probably wrong. How can I work this out? How can, where's the nuance on this? And I don't think we do that in a very good way in the country. And that's why a lot of people turn around and go, well, we've given up now, isn't it? Because we don't, you know, what is England now? Let's not fly the flag. Like, mm. this is the worst thing. 
that I don't understand is even in the rowing club that I was a chairman of for five years, I struggled to get that flag flown at a rowing club. That was in England. This, mm. this rowing club's in England. It's mm. on the Welsh border. I couldn't fly because they said, well, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit what? Yeah. It's a bit what? Yeah. what yeah. What's the word you want here? Yeah. What's the word you're asking for? Yeah. Well, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit right. It's your flag, mate. Yeah. It's not, it can't be anything other than your flag. What else flag do you want to fly, by the way? Is there another flag mm. you want to fly? What about that one with rainbow colours and shit? What about that one? Mm-hmm. Is that all right? Is yeah. we going to fly that one? Well, it's quite inclusive. Fuck that. Yeah. That's the flag. Yeah. That couldn't be more inclusive. Look at the colours on mm. that flag. That is the whole point of that flag is inclusive. So I, I found it difficult. And I just think we need, to, we need to get back on that. The danger, of mm. course, is that we keep getting told by the government that the biggest threat, especially terrorist threat in the country, is from the far right. I've never seen any. Yeah. I can't I see any. Mm. I, was actually, I actually followed Tommy Robinson on Twitter just to see what Tommy was all about. And he can, be, he can be an idiot. We know Tommy can be an idiot. Fine, we all can be idiots, right? But he's not saying anything there that most people aren't thinking. Right. And no, most absolutely. people are thinking are, are just British men and women that want to have a job. Yeah. They want to have a nice Christmas. They want to have a nice TV. They want to have a nice car. They want to have a nice holiday. They're just British people. On the vision of a future which isn't a dystopian nightmare. Did I talk to you about this before? About Is the, it much the rock? to ask? Like Christianity was about a rock, wasn't it? Like literally, there's a rock. It's a stable platform. And, and what, we, what we used to say in the UK is, uh, especially coming from the 50s, look, if you build a house and, little, you know, get, get a job, because then you can get a little house. You get a driveway, car, you get a dog, 2.3 kids. You can do well. Pension, looked after. That's a, that's a great life to aspire to. Where's that gone? Mm. It's almost comedic now that we think of that. Like, Again, a lot like everything we were talking about, the Ministry of Defence and the RAF and things. I think it's all very, very deliberate. I think it's very, very deliberate. You're not encouraged to even hear the argument no, of, not, of why no. the flag isn't a bad thing. No. You're not encouraged to have any sense of pride whatsoever. In fact, the exact opposite. Absolutely. It's all very, very deliberate, very, very cynical. I mean, a cr- again, a type of crime without precedent. Uh, an unbelievable thing. And um, well, I'm prepared to spend my energy battling against that wherever I can. Oh, you should um, do, surely. I mean, but the thing right. is, are we wrong? Because this is important that we understand this. Because my wife says to me, look, the service is different, the military is different from when you were in. Five years. Yeah. I said, okay. I said, I said to her, look, I understand that. I'm coming from a standards and values point. I know what yeah. happens when your standards yeah. drop on a squadron. People die. There's no two ways about it. It just happens. Yeah. Now, she says, yeah, but most people aren't on a fast jet squadron. They're not, they're not doing that. They're going to work at B&Q. They're going to work at, in an office. Yeah, but they're still putting a tie on, or they're still polishing, or they're still, they're not turning up naked. They've still got some kind of standard. They've still got some yeah. aspect of personal value. Yeah. And yeah. I think when we allow those things to be diminished, I really struggle. I really struggle with, I mean, I've got an issue with, with Muslims who, who put Muslim before the word British. I'm a Muslim and I'm British. I, I want to see British Muslims. And mm. I speak to British Muslims every day. And they're as British as I am. They just happen to be Muslim. But it's in that order. I'm a British Muslim. Mm. And they go into the military. Like our warrant officer in the Royal Air Force, I can't remember his name now, um, is a Malaysian man. He's a, he's a chief warrant officer in the, in the Royal Air Force. He's as British as they come. Of course he is. But we're not, there's no, mm. we, we're all British. And, but for some reason, we've got this propensity, or we don't, of course, but a lot of people do, to divide, to, to, to divide this and to say we're not the same people because we've got different skin colours, whatever. Mm. And that makes us kind of, we lose, the, we lose the traction. We lose that kind of energy of what makes us... British, I guess. I well, it that's... depends what the values are. So, for example, we've got some, some Muslims, some practicing Muslims who have taken on the values of our nation. Sure. And many, many that haven't. You know, you're getting vox pops on the streets. Yes. And they I've say, seen some of these. They say yeah. things like, 
what would you abide by first? The, the law of, yeah, of England or, yeah. or Sharia law? Yeah. And they say Sharia yeah, law. That's right. Now, for me at that point, they're not British. No, you chuck them out. Yeah, chuck no, them out. no, they're a fifth columnist. What they do they're an invader. Well, they're they an enemy to... of the state, Well, they're actually. not abiding by British law. So, right. So you can't... So they're not British. This is if if you're say say our sister's got kidnapped by this and you're like no sh- sh- where's British law come we don't believe in British it's come on mm. you if can you imagine going to another country this is what I find odd and not obeying by their oh, laws yeah right I wouldn't I wouldn't dream of going to Bahrain and saying no, I, no I'm only abiding by English law while I'm here don't care what your law is it just wouldn't that happen. is a, a well so yeah there's no despicable. place I've said it before there's Absolutely no place despicable. in the UK that, there's no place in the UK for people that don't uphold UK values mm, yeah. and people go what are UK mm. values well they're not fucking yours mate yeah. okay yeah. I was born here my father yeah. father 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 <laughs> let's talk about those values let's talk about those standards and I'm not willing to let mine go so if it means I've got mm. to be labelled as far right if it means yeah. I've got to be labelled as subversive so if it means that the Ministry of Defence yeah. are going to come after me and collapse my business and take my house well at least you stood for something it's going to mm. be shit yeah. But at least you stood for something. And you know what, eventually, I'll tell you what the ministry does. I don't know how long we got. We've got, we done. Well, no, we, well, uh, we need to wrap it up relatively shortly. All right, I, but, I'm uh, just going to talk about, we, talk about how I lost a job because the, the ministry removed my security clearance because of YouTube videos I made about Mike Wigston. So, right. and it wasn't personal. What I mean when I say how Mike. How long ago was this? Talk about, this is going back now to uh, November, uh, where are we now? 24, aren't we? So 2022. Okay, I was right, working right, for a small right. engineering firm yeah. in Bristol. Lovely yeah. firm, actually. But you needed a security clearance for doing so. I had a high-level security clearance. I'm working with this company. I'm working on some top-level kind of projects and stuff. Um, Aviation-based. In all fairness, probably never going to happen. Pretty dull. I felt like I wasn't contributing anything in a sort of... You've got to be a bit... You know, what am I doing? Like, I'm driving across the country here in meetings where we're going, wouldn't it be good if? It's like, fuck, this is... Yeah, it would be good, mate. Pay the money. <laughs> so the money's good, but the work is soul-destroying. Right. And then eventually um, I got a phone call, and I'm in a meeting, and uh, they said, you've got to leave the building. So, because my company were, were separate from these buildings. I was, I was off-site working loads of different places, loads of different countries, loads of different, um, sorry, towns. And they said, you've got to get out of the building. All right, I got the building. Come, went back to uh, this company in Bristol, and they said, uh, you've had your security, um, your security um, level paused. What the ministry does, it's pretty clever. They're never right with a name. You never, when the letters come, they never, it's never a name. It's always, you know, so you can't, you never phone them. You can't phone them up. It's always email them, you know. Um, they removed my security clearance because of the, because someone had complained about my YouTube videos, about the Air Force and about diversity and stuff like that. And, uh, and so they'd removed my security clearance. Now, I'm not going to go into what levels of clearances I have now, but they were wrong to do so. And when I was challenged, everything was restored, let's say. Okay, so, right. Um, however, for about six months, I had no security clearance. I couldn't work for this company. So I literally I lost so the money I was getting. So my employment was terminated because of something I was saying about the Royal Air Force. Because I was trying to uphold the standards. I even said to a senior officer who was having a go at me on Twitter once, I even said, look, the only issue that you've got and I've got is that my standards at the moment are higher than the Royal Air Force's. Have a think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I was the standards officer in the service. I said, and my, I said, I would never let this happen. I would never let people in the senior in the senior ranks tell me that I was a racist because I had to let black people in because of the way they thought what is that about they don't think anything different and if they do mm. I could I could, bring, I could mm. pick guys in your office that think you know say go pick out the first white dude in your office that thinks completely different to me I could find anyone out there couldn't I mm. we just mm. it is so it's nothing so yeah so I lost a job over that and um so you truly 
a true type of cancellation on some level, the word 100%. cancellation. Yeah. That's odd, because Owen Jones said no such you know. thing ever exists. Yeah, well, he's an idiot. I mean, the British government is what cancelled me. Now, Elon Musk mm. said, you know, he's going off to Disney now, isn't he? He's saying, he's saying if you've ever, you know. And he is going off to Disney, and think rightly so. It's Bob Iger. But it happens with the, that's right. It happens with the <laughs> MSD, and it happens with the British government, because they can, because you cannot challenge them. Mm. So the only leverage they had on me at the time, They've got other leverages. I know what their leverage they could use. They know what the leverage they could use is. We both know what the leverage they could use is. Um, and it's to do with me teaching people, which is, which is me teaching them on a, on a syllabus I've written, but I'm teaching them in the UK, and they could easily come in and go, you're teaching them secrets. It's like, I'm not, mate. I'm not teaching them secrets. I'm teaching them land and take off a, in a video game. That's what yeah, I'm teaching them. Yeah. It's not a secret. I'd go after the guys that are in China, literally teaching them Typhoon Tactics hmm. or F-35 Tactics in China. How about you go after those guys? So mm. we know what the leverage is. We're being... I'm open-handed with the MD. I'm like, I've got no beef. They've got no beef. I'm happy with that. But the truth is, the, the main issue I have is the fact that I believe they're weakening the services through well, this diversity project. Obviously they are, yeah. I don't know how you can... What, obviously flipping, they are. they strengthening the service? Yeah, is right. it? Yeah. It, yeah. No, yeah. you can't be. Mm. You're bringing in people that have no um, foundational, historic, um, uh, generational allegiance to the United Kingdom, and you're wondering why they go into the service. They stay three years and they leave. Mm. I went into the service saying 20 years I stayed. I've got guys that are still in the service 30 years now. We're not seeing, we're not seeing minorities and women stay in the service the same length of time that we do as an indigenous British man. It's just how it is. Mm. So we're making everything weaker. Mm. I thought I stole that last one, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, just to sort of end up, because we can't go forever, unfortunately. I would, okay. I could, That's fine, I sorry. I could chat to him for hour after hour after hour, uh, but unfortunately we can't. Uh, so if you want to just say... A, few quick words or however long you want really about yeah, no, uh, fast jet performance yeah yeah so the, the um, point of my flight school is that it's actually quite secretive and we don't we don't tend to advertise too much um yeah oh, the youtube okay. the youtube channel is fast <laughs> jet performance and um i make three types of video really which does the algorithm no good whatsoever and i'll probably be demonetized at some point i make 95 pound a month like the last time i made 95 everyone thinks you're making loads of money on youtube don't you yeah. like let me show you how much yeah. money i make on youtube so um uh i yeah so i've got a flight school called shadowlands online fast jet flying training and uh, there we, we teach using a game called Digital Combat Sin. I, I, I do a little bit of work with the company. I flew with them the other day to help enhance their product. And I have pilots there. We work through... Cool. The, is that quite new that you're actually working um, with them? In a, in a capacity to see whether we can improve the game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. So that, that's good. I mean, the game is it's as close as I can get. It's better than any sim I ever flew in the world. And you teach a few specific fast jets? I teach the whole of what's called Phase 4 fast jet flying training. So I taught the advanced flying training and the tactical weapons on Hawk T1, Hawk T2. I teach all of that. So I don't teach Typhoon Tactics F-35 because we don't have those aircraft in the game. I use, I use a lot of aircraft in the game, but we have a schedule that we go through every week as a timetable. But Guys, you do a lot of F-18 stuff? Yeah, F-18, say? that's yeah, right. right. So we yeah. use F-18, yeah. the Hornet, the C variant of that. We use the F-5E, um, we use the F-16 to a certain extent. However, we try and keep it in, uh, keep, keep the aircraft, uh, keep the syllabus applicable to the aircraft we use. So I want it to be as close to the Hawk training as we can. And if, if I had a Hawk, I probably wouldn't use a Hawk because the aircraft we use now complement each other very well. The, the F-5 is kind of um, easy, to, easy to operate but hard to fly because it hasn't got a flight control system, whereas F-18 has got a flight control system, so it's easy to fly but hard to operate because it's got menu structure. So together, both these aircraft are quite challenging. So um, we run that. It's about a nine-month course. You can come in out anytime you want. It's the same as a gym membership. I keep it exactly the same as my local gym run by the local council. It's about £37 a month. Guys, come in, come out. We do a lot of... The work we do is not just about the flying. The work we do is about the standards, about the values, about the family. The family is being ripped apart right now. And 
I've got such good men, and there's women in the school as well, but primarily it's men in the school that are doing fantastic things for their family. And sometimes, you know, you're humbled by what some of these men are doing, the sacrifices they're going through. And then they put their headset on, they come and fly with us for a couple of hours a day. Um, it relieves the stress, relieves the pressure. It allows them a, a great bunch of guys to, to come and just talk with. It's all based on Discord. Um, we sign up through Patreon. Just go to fastshipperforms.com if you want to come and have a look at it. Or just watch some of the videos on oh, online. Yeah. Well, you know FJP, what? FJP, just well, type it, it in. It's interesting. Yeah, on Twitter, Tim Davies underscore UK, because I don't want many people joining. I don't want to be flooded with people. Because if we do, if we get too many people in and we just lose that kind of, that, that, um, that crowd of people we've got, we've probably got about 200 pilots right now. And I like the number. So if people want to come and fly because they're into uh, flight sims, then it's a great place to be. So yeah, I do that obviously in the YouTube. So I make some political videos like yours. And then the other ones I talk about things like alcoholism, um, personal self-development. I talk about humility, suffering, stuff like that on YouTube as well. In a bit of a jovial way because it's YouTube, isn't it? And we can't all be tense the whole time, can so we? So full spectrum, manosphere. Manosphere. Super giga chad uh, stuff. We need more of that, don't we? <laughs> we need more, not less. You know Yeah, I mean? absolutely. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Bates. All right. Yeah, no, no. We'll uh, have you on. And in fact, this is this won't go out for a bit, but uh, sure. it is being recorded um, in early February, and you'll be on the podcast later today, which everyone will already have seen. It will all be out, already been out for a week or two by the time this goes sure, out. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So thanks again for your time. We'll have you on uh, some other point, I'm sure, if you want to ever come back. Again, I could chat to you for hour after hour after hour. Um, so I really, really appreciate, I really, really appreciate you coming in. Well, thanks, mate. Thanks Thank you. Thank you. All right. Until next time. Take care.